Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. Uh, we are glad that you have chosen to worship with us today. Uh, Candy is not here this morning. Uh, she texted me last night and said that she was feeling sick, and so she is not here. But we are glad to have Clyde Buckner, who is here today, to lead us in our, in our worship. We are very glad that you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist today, and I pray that we would prepare our hearts for worship at this time. And in preparing to do that, we invite you to stand as we sing. We have an opening call to worship. This both choir and you, Jesus Messiah. So let's stand together. We'll go from there immediately into the hymn. So let's stand together, please. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. You'll find that on hymn number 319. You're not using the screen. So number 319. Praise to the Lord. Thank you. 
I'd like to invite all the children to join me down front this morning for the children's sermon, if there are others out there. You know, I thought about grabbing the chair that Miss Ellen uses, but then I realized I'm still too tall. So I thought I'd just sit down on the floor with you guys. Is that okay? But Miss Ellen is with her husband, Roger, at the hospital this morning. He's not feeling well. He'll, he'll be okay. But we want to, when we close in prayer here for our time, want to remember uh, Mr. Roger as he's in the hospital right now, okay? Well, behind you this morning, we have something. Does anybody know what these are? What are they? Pillowcases. They're pillowcases. That's right. Do you guys sleep with a pillowcase on your pillow at night? Do you have some fun things that are on those pillowcases? Maybe cars or sports or just something fun, maybe animals or something like I that? Got animals on mine. You got animals on yours? I don't have anything like that on mine. Mine's pretty simple right now. Uh, but, I, but I need something. I need something colorful on mine. But um, you know what? Our church does a lot of things to help different people. We give out food for our food pantry. And we um, build ramps for people who need, maybe who are in a wheelchair, who need to get in and out of their home and they can't because they're steps. So we build ramps to help them get in and out of their home. We do a lot of different things to help people as a church. But you know what? One of the, the reason we do all the different things that we do as a church is so people can know and understand God's love. And we do that through our actions and the things that we do for people, but we also do it through our words and we tell people that God loves them and that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for their lives. And one of the things that happened recently here at Boiling Springs is that a group of adults met in the fellowship hall and in the LEC and they made pillowcases. They made these pillowcases. And you know what? These pillowcases are gonna go to people down on the East Coast, down near the beach. You may know where the beach is, right? They're gonna go to people down near the beach who had a really bad storm that came in last year. And some of these homes that wiped out a lot of the things that they had, and some of them lost everything. They lost, some of them lost their pillowcases. And this is something very simple, but yet we're gonna mail or send a lot of these pillowcases to the people down East. And we hope and pray, and we're going to pray for these pillowcases and for the people who will receive them right now when we close in prayer. And so this is one of the ways that we tell people and show people of God's love. And these are children pillowcases. They have, some of them have Mickey Mouse, they have animals, they have bulldozers. Uh, uh, one of them has boots up there, all kinds of different fun things. And so uh, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes and we're going to pray for uh, the safety of the people taking these down to the people at the beach who need them. And then we're also going to pray for the children who will be putting them on their pillowcases. And we pray that when they lay their head on them, that they will know that God loves them and that people love them here in North Carolina. And we're still thinking of them after the bad storm that they went through. All right. Does that sound like a good idea? Well, join me as we pray, okay? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the ways that this church serves and loves its community, and not only its local community, but Lord, those around the world as well. But Father, we do ask for a special blessing today on these pillowcases. We do pray for the safety of those who will take them down to Wilmington, but we also uh, pray for the children who will put their heads on them as well. That Lord, in some uh, mysterious and miraculous way, they will know God that they have been prayed for and that they are loved by you. We do pray that you would send them pastors and ministers and other Christians that would share with them the good news of Jesus Christ and how much he loves them. And Father, we ask for your blessings on them. Father, we do pray at this hour for Roger Humphreys. We also want to remember Ernest Hamrick, Jamie Heffelfinger, and Roger Webb. We thank you for each of these uh, members of our church and we pray you'd be with them as they're struggling at this hour. Lord, we love you. I thank you for these children. And I thank you for all those who helped make these pillowcases just a few weeks ago. We ask for your blessings on this day and this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
The hymn, In Christ Alone, is on 569. It reminds us that indeed Christ is the cornerstone of our foundation. He is the cornerstone of all that we are. And this hymn recites the many acts that he did, including his death, his resurrection, all for us. Let us stand as we sing and we celebrate the preeminence of Christ our Lord. Let's stand. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for the beautiful sunshine. We thank you for the spirit that binds us together. Father, may our hearts and our minds be open to your prompting, leading us to look at our hearts on how to open our pocketbooks, our checkbooks, 
to give back to you that which you have so richly blessed us with. Take what we give and use it for the glory of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
moment for today is tied to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering you received in your bulletin inserts this morning. Um, and of course, WMU emphasizes Annie Armstrong. Our emphasis mission inspiration for North American missions tells us that there are 5,200 missionaries that are working in North America sharing Christ with diverse peoples whose first languages are Korean, Vietnamese, Haitian, Creole, Chinese, Spanish, English, over 240 languages spoken in North America. Many of those missionaries have experienced radical transformation through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.3, he has given us a new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through this power from Jesus, new believers gain the same power all Christians have through the love of our wonderful Savior. The bulletin insert gives us eight opportunities to know of specific needs of these 5,200 missionaries. You know, we can pray for them and pray specifically. We can pray for our own needs because they're the same kind of needs that they have but then they have given us in our handout specific needs. We can give, and we hope that you will think about, pray about, and give as God directs you to do. But you know, we can also go. We can go to our neighbors, 
to our, throughout our neighborhood, to the county, to the state, to our nation, across this continent, and then across the world. We can be bold witnesses of Jesus' love every day of our lives. Our goal here at Boiling Springs Baptist Church is $4,500, and I look forward to seeing those offerings uh, posted. We will know at the end how much have come in during this month. In Gathering Day, the last Sunday this month, I pray for you as you pray this week. Thank you, Ruth, for reminding us and charging us to give and to pray. And thank you, Lindy, for a powerful song this morning. Clyde, good to have you with us this morning. Thank you for helping. And we certainly want to continue to remember Candy as she is not feeling well. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. You're going to continue to hear that, um, not necessarily chapter 13, but turn to Luke. Um, this morning, Luke chapter 13, we're looking at a most peculiar passage of Scripture, one where Jesus calls somebody a name. Did you know he did that? But Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 35, and it'll be on the screen, it'll be in your pew Bible. Begin reading at verse 31. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox for me, listen. I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Amen.
Thank you, choir and Clyde and accompanist. Cheryl, you were rocking on the piano there at one point. <laughs> but uh, I tell you, you know, uh, God, as we grow towards spiritual maturity, as we're all, all on that path, we do pray that God would order our steps. And we're reminded as we think about the sermon series that we're in, God on the move, God on the move past all obstacles. We're reminded that God, that not only Jesus' uh, steps were ordered. And I'm glad, and we're going to see from our text this morning, that he was clear on his mission. He was focused. There was nothing that would interrupt. There was nothing, there was nothing that would stop Jesus from fulfilling the mission that he fulfilled for you and for me and for all the world. As I begin this morning, I just want to, uh, to, to state the obvious. One of the things about Boiling Springs Baptist that I learned when I first came several years ago is our great diversity. And uh, we are a diverse lot in so many ways. But one of the things that we can all, there's a lot of things that we can all come together on. And, and one of those things is the fact that um, when it comes to having obstacles along the way of life sometimes, I don't care what your convictions are about something, I don't care what your, uh, your path in life is, your career path and education and all these different things, but I think all of us in the room today can, can agree with and come around the table and say yes, that we all face obstacles in life. Some of those obstacles you've heard this morning as I have shared even in the children's moment about um, uh, Roger Humphreys and Ernest and Roger Webb and, and some of those obstacles are healthcare related. We all have different needs and I'm grateful that our church uh, comes around one another in times when we're facing these health-related obstacles. But not only are they health-related, but we, at times we have relational obstacles. We deal with some troubles at home or within family uh, or friends or co-workers, and yet we can face, again, those obstacles together. Sometimes those obstacles uh, are career, education, again, employment, different things, finances, and at times these obstacles, uh, and especially over the last, I don't know, several years, uh, we can blame the government or blame state or national leaders uh, on different obstacles that we and that many are faced with today. Uh, UNC had an obstacle on Friday night, and that was Zion Williamson. Uh, I just had to get that in there, sorry. The sermon series is God on the Move, so I will keep moving. Um, but yesterday, Aiden and I had a great day hiking. It's been raining for like a month, right? I mean, it's just been, it's just been bad. And, and our schedules, our, life, our family has just been very busy almost every day, just something you have to do. And so Friday late afternoon, I called Renee and didn't want to tell Aiden yet. And I said, what do you say I take Aiden hiking tomorrow? And that way Renee needed to get some things done. She could do those things. And so Aiden and I headed off to Saluda yesterday and it was great. We went to two waterfalls. And then went to see my dad for a few hours and was able to check in with him. So it was a great day, beautiful day, weather-wise as well. But we first uh, headed off to Pearson Falls, which is uh, in Saluda. You have to actually pay a little bit to get in. And it's an absolutely beautiful waterfall. It's manicured trails, easy to hike as you get up to the waterfall. It's absolutely beautiful. But what you see in the picture is not Pearson Falls. What you see in the picture is Bradley Falls. And for those of you that have hiked any at all, uh, if you've, well, excuse me, if you've hiked to Bradley Falls, if you know anything about it, this is not the first hike that we went to yesterday at Pearson Falls. This is not a well-manicured trail with paved pathways at times and all this. This is an adventure trail. This is a video that I didn't tell Renee, and so now she's up there in the balcony today, but she can hear me saying this. There was thing, you know, threat of death. It's a severe, you know, it's, it's like experienced hikers only, you know, and all this. I didn't, I didn't send Renee that video, but but we didn't do everything at Bradley Falls, but if you do anything at Bradley Falls, one of the things you have to do to stay on the trail 
is to go across what Aiden is standing in front of right there. You either have to walk through the river to continue on the trail, which is about knee high, and there is some white water there, uh, and so sometimes even higher in places. And so you either have to walk through the trail or you have to go across what Aiden is standing on, the rocks and the trees, and you kind of have to just figure it out. And so if at any point this morning, walking up and down the stairs, if I kind of do this for a minute, you'll know that I'm sore, okay, from, from what we did yesterday. But I say all that to say this, Aiden and I had to deal with the obstacles that were on that trail. If we wanted to continue the walk, if we wanted to continue the trail to get to Bradley Falls, we needed to go across what you see. And so Aiden is proud of himself. He's standing there with his thumb up. Uh, that's on the second time he crossed back across it. And Aiden and I are both living to tell about it. So um, if I said anything that implicated me, Renee, we'll, we'll, we can talk about that later. Um, but so, so obstacles, they're, they're all around us. This morning, as we continue our sermon series, God on the Move, we're reminded that God, uh, that moving in and of itself, first of all, is filled with obstacles. Um, I shared this last week. If you, only if you have still live in the house that you grew up in, do you not know anything about moving. But most of you have moved at some point in your life. Uh, and you know that when you move, you have to deal with the post office. You've got to send them your change of address and that uh, your mail still may or may not get there. Uh, sorry for anyone who works at the post office, but it's just true because we've had that happen multiple times. We, we've lost mail or didn't know. And then you've got to deal when you move, you've got to deal with uh, calling the cable company or the internet company and you make sure things are switched and it's just, it just gets precarious. And then you've got to figure out where to go pay your bills if you don't pay them online or if, is it easier just to go buy somewhere and pay them. And so Renee and I figured out all that stuff. We're still somewhat figuring it out here in Cleveland County. But um, you, when you move, you encounter certain obstacles, certain changes. And it shouldn't surprise us that as Jesus's ministry progresses, as we are moving towards the cross, and thank you, very appropriate song this morning, Lindy, as we are moving towards the mighty cross, as Jesus is moving towards the cross, he's not only facing um, challenges and obstacles physically along the way as he's moving from one city and one village to the next, but he's also facing obstacles from the different uh, people that he is relating with, that he is uh, coming across. He's also uh, facing obstacles from human hearts. Uh, some major obstacles begin to stand in the way. The most obvious are the members of the political and religious establishment, both feeling threatened by Jesus for different reasons. The Pharisees, which are the spiritual leaders, share a warning with Jesus about Herod, the political leader. But can their warning be trusted? That's the question before us today. What do we know about the Pharisees? Well, we know that they're oftentimes, uh, we criticize them for being hypocritical, for being pretentious, for being self-righteous. But we also know that Jesus ate and ministered alongside at many times the Pharisees as well. They weren't all bad guys. They get a bad rap, but they, and yes, they were guilty of the things that I just mentioned, but yet they were a part of the religious establishment of the day. And there were Pharisees, yes, that were pretentious and self-righteous, but there were Pharisees who uh, we, we learn in Acts would get it. And they knew who Jesus was and they knew the revolution. They knew this, this sense of who Jesus was and what he was coming to do and they got it. Um, but in our first verse today, we're left asking the question again, why were the Pharisees seeking to protect Jesus? Did they really have his best interest at heart? The Pharisees said in the verses that we read, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. 
Rome's influence was growing. They each had their own, you know, to say that there's no politics in the Bible is completely incorrect. They each had their own uh, viewpoint about why they wanted Jesus. And the Pharisees even, I believe, too, wanted Jesus outside of Jerusalem. But Rome's influence was great, and the dominance was spreading from Herod Antipas. He was the current leader or tetrarch of Galilee. Uh, Herod Antipas, he was the one. He didn't just have a reputation. There was a reason he had his reputation. Uh, He was guilty, of course, for the killing of John the Baptist. And so to say that Herod wants to kill you was not just words, not just from the Pharisees. These were reality, and Jesus very well knew that. So in light of this news, Jesus just says, okay, I'll get out of here, right? No, no. Jesus' response, (laughs) written in red in some of your Bibles, go and tell that fox that I'm throwing out demons or I'm casting out demons and that I'm healing people and that I will be about the mission until it is finished. It doesn't say it exactly that way, but there's a Greek word in verse, at the end of verse 32 that's also the same, it's echoed, same root of the word that's used when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. Jesus is sending a clear message to the Pharisees that he is not backing down, that he will not be interrupted, that his course is clear and his course is straight. So what does he mean by fox? That's the question here before us, right? What did Jesus mean when he called Herod a fox? Well, in the Old Testament, the term, the word is a destructive pest. And in the New Testament or in the Greek, it's a clever and cunning, it's deceptive. A small animal reduced to chasing weak animals and chickens for the fox were perfect prey. Some have said Jesus is calling Herod a varmint, if you will. So what does Jesus do? Jesus ignores their warning. And not only ignores their warning, but he sends a strong message that he's going to keep up his mission. If death is where he is going, then so be it. Jesus was on a mission. His moving towards Jerusalem, again, God on the move, his moving towards Jerusalem will not be stopped by any obstacle, especially not Herod and especially not the Pharisees, whatever ploy or or slant they have in telling Jesus this. His mission is clear and he must press on. He's on a course that cannot be interrupted, not even by a dangerous and murderous leader known as Herod, who has the reputation that he does. Jerusalem, as we know in Luke, is central to the message. We see that, um, uh, we see this throughout the Gospel of Luke as you read it. Jesus is on a mission and he is headed to Jerusalem. And again, nothing can stop him on this mission. We read in what I call Luke 2, but is, is Acts is what we call it, but it's, Luke is also the author of Acts. We read in Acts 1.8, that he says on, uh, when he talks about uh, when you will receive power from on high, he begins with Jerusalem first, then Judea, then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. But for Jesus and for what Jesus did for you and for me, it began, it began and it begins in Jerusalem. Jesus compares himself and thus God in verse 34, and we're going to get more to this in a minute, but I want to go ahead and read it because it'll set the stage for what I'm about to say. But in verse 34, Speaking of Jerusalem, he says, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. And you get this idea of of compassion and love and almost lament that it's not what I hoped it would be. You almost hear that in Jesus's tone as we read these words. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together just as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you would not have it. 
It's like this love and compassion from our Savior that's saying, you've gone astray and you're not getting it and you're pursuing all these different things. That's a message, I think, for us today, isn't it? And oh, how I long to pull you in, how I long to gather you under my wings. I love that image. But Jesus, let me back up now that we've read that and we'll come back to it in just a moment. But Jesus was already far more popular than the Pharisees ever had been. And if you know anything about the Pharisees, that didn't go over too well with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were about as fun as getting your wisdom tooth taken out. I mean, they just, people, it just, you know, their message, people weren't necessarily heeding it and following it. And yet Jesus comes along and all of a sudden has this mass crowd that's following him everywhere he goes, everywhere he goes. And everything he says always draws a crowd. And yet the Pharisees just aren't having it. Their left-handed attempt to hustle Jesus away only showed how content they were to stay on the outside of whatever kingdom Jesus was talking about. They just weren't getting it. So when Jesus tells them to go tell Herod, that fox, that he wasn't going to take his marching orders from him, he was really telling those foxy Pharisees to take a hike as well. Jesus knew the political sides and slants that both the Pharisees and Herod, the Herodians, were warning him to get out of Jerusalem. Jesus knew that. And that's why he was so bold in saying that his mission would not be deterred. His mission would not be interrupted. There was enough love and compassion. And I think you see that and hear that. I hope you do in the verse that I read where he says, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem. There's a sense of love and compassion that's taking place there in these encounters. Um, Jesus very soon... um, Jesus will die, and even the chicks who stayed close, closer to him will scurry and scatter away. As we move closer as a church to Easter, we know of those who, who fled. And of course, we know that Peter, and we'll have more about that in the coming weeks. Peter was the last one there. But yet, these other, as we, to use the imagery in the text today, these other chicks are flurrying and scattering away. But those who will ultimately come back to Christ, the hen, for those who see in him even so a sheltering wing that can protect them in the kingdom of God for all eternity, there will be new life after all, the world is filled with foxes. I think we all know that, and they come from different ways, and I'll say something about that in just a minute, but we chickens don't always think that we have a chance. Thankfully, we know that the mother hen, under whose wings we take shelter, has some other names as well, and one of those names is the Lion of Judah, and that's a chicken, my friends, that will survive. As Christians, as the church, again, we still have obstacles today. Uh, We have obstacles within culture. We have foxes, if you will, within culture um, that that feed our egos, that feed our pride, that feed our, uh, at times, lack of morality, that feed all the negative, there's a lot of negative things from culture that these foxes try to influence us as growing disciples of Christ. At times, I would venture to say that yes, there are even foxes within the church. And at times, before, we, before you get mad at me, <laughs> there's foxes within us as well, within our very beings, that seek to eat away at the message and the growth that Christ would have to have in us. Amid the foxes, though, I'm thankful that we still have a mother hen who stands with arms outstretched, ready to gather her chicks, her brood under her wings. I love the feminine imagery there of God protecting 
his own and desiring to bring and to draw his own to himself. And we see that so clearly here in Luke 13. Despite the opposition and the murderous threats, Jesus stays the course. He will not be interrupted. He will not be deterred from his mission. The questions that we need to ask ourselves, is our course set as resolutely as that of Jesus? Jesus was faced with, with dissent or with um, people with ill motives from both sides, from, from the religious establishment, from the Pharisees. They wanted him out of Jerusalem. They wanted to deter his mission. And yet Herod also, with Jesus' growing popularity, also wanted to deter his mission, also wanted him out of Jerusalem. Everything happens in Jerusalem. If we can just get Jesus out of Jerusalem, then we can, then we can begin to change course. And everybody kind of wanted to put their influence there. And they could do that freely if Jesus would just simply get out of Jerusalem. So is our course set as, resolu- as resolutely as that of Jesus? Another question is, do we have a commitment to set our faces toward Jerusalem? a place that we can meet with God face to face and give our lives for him. Will we be stopped by people on earth who are not as pleased with the path that we have chosen? There are people that were not pleased with the path that Jesus was on and they tried to deter that path. You and I also have people who would like to deter and distract and move us away from the course that God has set for us. And are we staying focused? Are we allowing the obstacles to arise both around us and within us that would deter us and lead us down a different path? Jesus is on an unstoppable course towards Jerusalem. But that also means that he's on an unstoppable course towards us as well. Toward our hearts, he comes with tenacity and determination that will not be blocked, not even by the obstacles that we put in his place. When we began, I shared with you about a large obstacle that was on the path, and it was a river that Aiden and I needed to get across yesterday to continue on the trail. I think about that in our Christian lives. Number one, there's a mighty big obstacle between us and God, and that is our sin, and that is the fact that we are not perfect. We are flawed humans. And I'm grateful for Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, who he was. And as we put our faith and trust in him, Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrated his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That bridge, that river that can't be crossed can now be crossed because of what Christ has done for you and what Christ has done for me. And so the first part of the invitation today is, have you crossed that bridge? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ that you can now have a relationship with God who has uh, a resolute course for your life, who has purpose, who can give your life purpose and meaning? Nothing that a career or that even your hobbies, the things that you love, the people that you love, Um, we certainly enjoy them. But the relationship with Christ gives us hope and a meaning and purpose and again, hope for eternity as well. And so have we put our faith and trust in him? Is our course set resolutely on Christ? The second part of the invitation today is have we allowed um, foxes or obstacles to begin to deter us from that course? Are we on the path that God would have for us? Or have we allowed these influences, whether political, whether family, whether uh, the foxes that, again, live within us at times, these obstacles that are within our own selves, 
have we allowed them to take over and lead us away from the path that God would have us to be on? So number one, do you know Jesus? If you don't, there's nothing that I would rather do in these next few moments or after the service or at any time of the day or the week for that matter is to share with you how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would love to share the plan of salvation with you and would invite you to come as we stand and sing in just a moment. But if you're here today and just simply realize that you've allowed some foxes, you've allowed some obstacles to come along the path to influence you and to tear you, to lead you away from the path that Christ has set for you, my hope and prayer for you this morning is that you would do business with the Lord, whether that's in the pew or whether that's coming to the altar this morning. Will you pray with me? God, I love you and I thank you for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you for your word that when we read it and when we preach it and when we sing about it, Lord, it has power. It is a mighty cross. And Father, I pray that the power of the cross would do its work in us today. And not only this day, but each day. That Lord, we would not be distracted by the foxes and by the obstacles that we are faced with. But God, we would set our course resolutely toward the path that you have for us. Lord, help us to spend time with you that we may know what that path is and that we may not be distracted by the sin around us or the sin within us. Lord, we love you. Forgive us for where we fail you. Forgive, you. Forgive us, Lord, for when we have went off course. And Lord, if that's the case today, help us to get back on course with you. Father, we love you. If there are any today here, Lord, that need to put their faith and trust in you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that today would be the day that changes everything for them. And Lord, if there are any here today that have simply gotten off course, I pray that today would be the day that they renew their focus and continue to that pursuit toward your purpose and plan for their life. God, I love you. Bless those who may decide to join and, and fellowship and grow with us here at Bowling Springs Baptist and lead them to, to make that step and, and to come and make that known. Lord, we love you. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, we're gonna, or for our hymn of invitation, we're going to sing hymn number 183, In the Cross of Christ I Glory. Let's stand and sing. Let the Spirit lead as we sing.
As the sermon series reminds us, God is on the move, and so his spirit continues to go with us and continues to move as we leave this place today. Be sure to speak to a couple people you haven't spoken to before you leave today, and um, hope you have a great week. We do have uh, a study on Peter that's taking place this Sunday evening tonight at 5 o'clock, and so we just encourage you to uh, enjoy your afternoon and come back and join us at 5, if you will, for that. Anything need to be said? Announcements? Anything from anyone? I don't always ask that, but for some reason I ask that today. Um, let's close in a word of prayer. God, we love you and we thank you, Lord, that you use us despite the flaws that we find within ourselves. We thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to go forth and to carry your message of love and hope and grace into the world. Move us from this place with the message of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.